0: Hello my loves, welcome to the R Maker Life podcast, a place where we talk all things knitting, crochet, yarn and love for fiber arts, for makers, by makers. My name is Jewel, I lead the OML team and I am your podcast host. In today's second episode of our podcast season two, I'm chatting with Reshma, a knitter, crocheter and indie designer of stitch markers and progress keepers and earrings from Illinois. Her maker business is Hello Lavender and we're sharing with you how and why she launched her business as a mom of two while on maternity leave on a very cool now or never mindset, how Reshma has transitioned in her maker life in the last five years, her beautiful stitch marker collection, how she's inspired by fellow knit and crochet makers and how we can be too. You're also gonna get some good encouragement about why it's okay to think and dream outside of the box, how competition can be good and not so good for your business, expanding your photography within your creative content, if failing in your business can lead to the success of it, and why taking a deep breath and staying focused through all of these new and ever-evolving social media trends is good for you, both in the short-term and long-term game in running your yarn business. Okay, so I love listening to podcasts while I knit. I usually have a cup of coffee nearby, so I want you to get comfortable, grab your knits, grab your crochet hook, grab your yarn, and enjoy this combo with me and Reshma. Here we go. Reshma, thank you so much for joining me here on the OML Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Jewel. This is so exciting. (laughs) Yeah, so exciting. I feel like I've been wanting to um, talk to you at least since 2018 when, I think that's when we met at the OML Chicago event. Yeah.
1: I mean, I have been following you for a long while before then. I think we were talking through IG for a while, but yeah, I think OML Chicago was the first time when we met in person.
0: I was just blown away by your beauty and your personality and you have such a good soul and a good spirit. So yeah, it was really awesome to, um, yeah, be able to have like the, the friendship that we had on IG <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and have that be in person. So it's been too long. It's, it's somehow oddly felt like a long time ago, but not that long ago. So
1: I, yeah, the years <laughs> just seem to fly by, but then they are also the longest years.
0: <laughs> Exactly. Totally. <laughs> exactly. So um, I want to just go ahead and, and get right into some of the um, really cool topics and fun topics that um, we want to share with everybody. So yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So let's just start right off. Tell our listeners um, how you started Hello Lavender and um, just all about your maker life in general, but sort of how you got started when you got started and um, where you are today.
1: All right. So I started Hello Lavender a little over five years ago. Um, I was on maternity leave after having my first baby and I did not want to go back to work, which I know a lot of um, parents feel that way when they're having, when they have their kid. And it was a really horrible job too. I was in a very terrible environment. So it kind of made the most sense to just distance myself from that and go off on my own. And I've always been creative. I've always been crocheting and painting and all of that. And I just kind of got the nudge from some family members and friends to just do my own thing. And it was like a now or never situation where it's like, well, if I don't do it now, when will I? I never will again if I get another job. There will just never be the right time. So I just kind of went for it a little over five years ago. And that's how Hello Lavender came to be. (laughs)
0: Nice. And what I don't know if you've uh, if you've shared or if I if I know uh, the meaning behind Hello Lavender. I feel like you have shared it before. (laughs) I've shared it a few times. Yeah. Um, There's I don't know. There's really
1: no meaning behind it. Like my biggest thing when I was trying to come up with business names was that I didn't want to be stuck in a box because my interests are always evolving, and I'm always wanting to try new things and do new things, and so I didn't want to revolve the business name around what I was creating at that specific moment. Because when I had first started Hello Lavender, I was crocheting and painting and I was selling Mm. hand-painted signs for like the home and I was painting baby toys and stuff like that. And I knew that, you know, if for some reason I wanted to switch directions, I didn't want to have to rebrand completely because that's always a nightmare and takes forever. So I knew whatever I decided that I didn't want it to revolve around crocheting or painting or yarn or whatever it is. I wanted something that would allow me to just flow and grow as, you know, the years went on and Hello Lavender just kind of, I was making a bunch of names on my phone, just names that sounded good. And I love flowers. I love how lavender smells and it's one of my favorite scents. And it just kind of yeah, grew from there. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah. I think that sounds good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love that so much. Um, and I think you, uh, give so many gems even there with that of, um, not putting yourself in a box. Um, -hmm. yeah, I do know people who have had businesses that are very, um, yarn centric in the name or knitting or crochet focused in the name. And then they do want to transition over to something else. And then, you know, they feel like they have to go through a whole new branding thing, which of course rebranding can be fun, um, and right. exciting to do, but it is, I think very, very smart business intellect as well to give yourself breathing room. Like you said, basically to have flow. And, um, you know, I, I love that you're giving yourself and that you've given yourself flexibility flexibility in the last five years and what you've created but also realizing like you said um, when you feel that push to do it you did it and I think that that's you know super inspiring for people who sometimes um, we as makers I know that I've done this uh, you know where I have an idea and I sit on it (laughs) and I can almost feel and sense the energy from the universe being like you need to do this now are it's yeah. not going to pass you by. And I've let those moments pass by and it's been totally like regret. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like there's just so
1: many things in the world that like, I feel like me personally, even like when we were in school and we have to pick a major and decide, you know, what our careers are going to be. I'm like, at that age, especially I'm like, well how do how do we know like we haven't experienced anything like I haven't tried everything. How am I going to know? What I want to do when I'm 20, 30, 40, 50, et cetera, you know, and like, this is what I'm doing now, but who knows, I might be doing com- something completely different five or 10 years down the road. And over the last five years of Hello Lavender, that, that has been the case. I feel like I've switched gears so many times and it's, I love it. And I don't regret any of it. It's all been amazing. And it's, I feel like it's exactly what I've, I w- was supposed to do.
0: Yeah, I I love that. And um, I think it's just very encouraging for people to hear that. Um, and that, you know, what you decide to do today, if you lean into that and you say, okay, today's the day I'm going to do it, I'm not going to sit on this idea, this vision, this dream, this business anymore, and you go ahead and take the leap to do it that that doesn't mean that, you know, five or 10 years from now that you can't change because I I totally resonate with that. Um, Even the OML that was the OML in 2016 has evolved so much and changed Mm -hmm. so much. And it used to um, both for OML and for my knitwear company, North Knits, it used to like definitely give me anxiety and keep me up at night because I'm like, if I don't stay in this lane and do this and do that and like just putting all these barriers. (laughs) Right. um, (laughs) on yourself and on your business. And, you know, I just think it's really encouraging to remember that it doesn't have to be that way, that it's actually a bit more realistic to learn um, or to accept and realize that in five, 10, 20 years, like you said, you can be a completely different knitter, a completely different maker, a completely different business person. And you want to give yourself breathing room to be able to lean into that. Exactly. And I think like when we were
1: growing up, you know, it's like, well, you go to if you go to college, you get your degree and that's the job you have, you know, until you retire. And Mm -hmm. I I think now, I mean, that's just not the case. And I know that's not the case for me. I just can't imagine doing the same thing for Mm -hmm. that long. And I think we also have to get, I think a lot of us, it's like, well, if I do this thing and I don't want to do it anymore in a year, like sit, you know, however long it is, it doesn't even have to be a year, like even like in a few months, if I want to do something different, does that mean I failed? And I think that's the narrative that we all have to get away from. And it's like, no, it's not a failure. You did something you tried and like, yeah, you could have, you, you tried and like, you could have even been very successful at it, but it just, you don't want to do it anymore. So like, it's not failure. It's not that you didn't, you gave up. It's not that you didn't try hard enough. Like you, you you, you just want to move on and try something different. And that's totally fine.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I don't even know how many people I've told this, but I know when I first started getting my feet wet on social media platforms and the Instagram world, I was sort of teetering more in the communities of like natural hair because I Mm -hmm. was in the beginning parts of my natural hair journey and um, was just really into sharing like faith-based inspiration. And, you know, like you said, exactly what you said, actually, it just was like, you know, a part of me, yeah, I feel like I failed on it. <laughs> I didn't have like, you know, thousands of likes and and tens of thousands of followers with it overnight. And and also got to a point with me where I'm like, oh, the idea of making like, you know, YouTube hair tutorial videos and things like that, um, that's just really not my passion. And, mm-hmm. and I kind of started to try to culminate it with, with knitting and and then I was I finally just was like you know what you know this this really isn't working for me I really want to go in just in the direction of knitting and then really try to hone in on, okay, how would that just that um, as a business look and how can I let sort of this other thing that I have going on over here go and to not feel bad about it and to not be completely drowned in self-comparison that I'm not like
1: the most successful
0: natural hair YouTuber out there. (laughs) So no, I totally love that. And Um, I also really love, too, how with Hello Lavender, um, it's so funny how you said you love lavender and you love the smell and the scent, because every time I see that name with your business, that's what I think of. And then it puts me in this calming, you know, sort of meditative mood, and your photos are then, like, calming and meditative on on Instagram and your website and everything. And I'm like, oh, this is totally what she, this must have been intentional. (laughs) the name, I love it that It was just like sort of intentional because you love that, but not intentional in like a branding business standpoint. right. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, and I think it was earlier this year I was almost having a moment where I'm like, well, do I change the name of the business because I'm very visual. So when I, like hear the word lavender, my mind automatically now goes to the color. Mm. And so I'm thinking lavender, purples, you know, stuff like that. And I'm like, but that's not me. Mm. You know, I don't really like there, I don't own anything in that color. I don't knit with anything in that color. Like, is this confusing people? Because now I'm questioning it and it's confusing me. And I think I even did a post about it. And at, almost everyone said exactly what you said, It's like, no, I don't think of the color. I think of how the scent makes me feel. It's very calming and everything that, you know, you post is calming. So like it all flows and I'm like, oh, okay. And then, then it made me feel a little bit better.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I love it really. As soon as I see it, I'm just like, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling. And then I stop and I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. Like, Lavender, calm, serene. Um, it makes me think of like the beautiful lavender fields in France. And mm-hmm. it just and then I and then I completely like I said, I just get entranced once I see what you're posting and what you're talking about. So it really just has this sort of draw to bring, I think, people into your world and into your mind and your heart. Um, and so yeah, I, I totally think it works. And uh, you know, speaking of like your Instagram and what you share, um, tell us a little bit about your beautiful beautiful stitch markers that you make and and sort of how you culminate that with um, your love for knitting
1: um so I started making stitch markers a little over a year ago so it was January of what year 2020 yeah mm. and it just came from I had just had my second baby a few months prior to that and at that point I was doing a lot of craft shows selling knitwear and it was a lot of work it was a lot of long hours and after having my second baby it's just it was just very hard to keep up with all of that and I was just trying to figure out you know what's next from here because I just knew I didn't want to keep selling knitwear and doing the craft shows anymore it was just taking a toll on me like physically Mm -hmm. and mentally Mm -hmm. and I was making fiber jewelry at that point too like the tassel earrings and the crochet earrings (laughs) and I had bought a bunch of polymer clay you know a few months before I had delivered um Riley and it just got shoved and put away in a closet You know, because I just didn't have the brain space to like take on something new at that Mm -hmm. point, having a newborn around Mm -hmm. and I was going through old stuff, you know, like at the end of December or something of 2019 And I had found all the clay and I'm like, oh yeah, what did I buy this for? I like, I couldn't even remember because, you know, mom brain at that point, like no sleep. I'm like, what was this for? Like, why? I've never worked with this. Why would I buy it? And I'm like, oh, maybe it was for jewelry. Maybe I was going to do something and incorporate pieces of clay with the tassel earrings. I don't know. And... I was just, I was sketching and I was looking at some of my designs and I think I had drawn up some like charms or like little, I don't know, little things to attach to tassel earrings. And I'm like, and I, and I honestly, and I've said this to a few people, like, I really don't remember when the idea really struck to like create stitch markers because i was just so sleep deprived during this entire like entire few months of like this polymer clay journey mm-hmm. and i think it just i think it probably came from like me creating like little charms that were eventually going to be attached to earring pieces that i thought would look really awesome and work as stitch markers mm-hmm. And I had only made six in the beginning. And I, that was bad January of 2020. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to make these six, see how it goes, because I don't want to put in all that time and effort in making a ton of them. If, you know, people aren't really going to respond well to it. And I had made six and the response was just amazing. I just still in disbelief. And they just sold and I made more and then those sold and it just kept, you know, snowballing from there.
0: Yeah, they're so beautiful. Do you have any of the ones that you've made that are probably among your favorite? Because I could probably tell you my faves. <laughs> I do. I, I mean, I
1: have some of like my very, very first ones when I was still like, m- trying to figure out the material and test out designs and I think I do have one from the very first batch that I sold and then I kept some from my Italy collection that I did last summer I have Mm -hmm. the Duomo one and I think I'll probably end up keeping a few from the Into the Wild collection because that's just been a wild ride.
0: (laughs) Yeah the Into the Wild ones (sighs) I mean, I would have to say, I, I love all the ones that you did in collab with Jake for Mean Pearls.
1: Yes, that was so much fun.
0: <laughs> Those are so beautiful. And I was so heartbroken. When they sold out so quickly. <laughs> I didn't have a chance to get one. But um, I love your Into the Wild collection, The Wild Within. And I know that you recently shared, you know, how long that journey truly has been that at, at the end of this collection, you would have made 2804 stitch Mm -hmm. markers (laughs) yes and almost 200 pairs of earrings so Mm -hmm. can you just wow sort of just like talk about that like that process and and how you stay inspired through that
1: um so I I don't know I'm still in disbelief honestly I throughout the last few months I'm still like pinching myself I don't when that collection went live, I will forever remember that evening because we had hit our like average sale numbers within four minutes of pre-orders being open. And I was, <laughs> my jaw dropped because at that point, I... I'm like, well, I was like, there was just so many thoughts going through my brain at that point because I'm like, well, I can't close pre-orders in four minutes. Like that in and of itself would be chaos. And I feel like I'd be letting so many people down and I didn't want to do that. And so I'm, I was just scrambling to figure out, I'm like, well, how do I keep this going and allow people to purchase what they wanted to and not run myself down completely and still be able to keep creating. And I don't think I ever really fully figured it out in that moment. I think we did end up shutting the pre-orders in 30 minutes. And even Mm -hmm. that was, I feel like a bit too much. I should have closed pre-orders sooner, but I've just been... It's all of you guys who have supported me that have been so understanding through all of this and um, encouraging me that has kept me going because it has been a lot of work and you have all allowed me to extend the turnaround time and allow myself to rest and that has just been monumental because I feel like without the support of everyone, I probably would have had to um, refund basically half of all those orders that came through that day
0: wow because they came through
1: (laughs) it just it was so fast it was so fast like there was no time to like process and react I just it was yeah Yeah. It was, um, it was amazing and terrifying.
0: Oh yeah, totally. (laughs) I I feel like I could totally relate because when we open registration, um, every year for OML, it is that feeling of excitement and terror and like, Mm -hmm. we'll only sell five tickets, but oh my God, what happens if we sell all of them? (laughs) And, um, I think for, uh, gosh, it might've been the Chicago event or the Toronto event. Um, uh, not the Toronto, the Calgary event, but I think it was like, within an hour, we had like all of our seats were sold out and they're usually around like 200 people at the event. So I think it was within a few hours and maybe for like Chicago, it was like within the day. And we totally had the expectation that like, yeah, registration will be open for easily two weeks. Um, So (laughs) yeah, when it just happened so quickly and you're like, oh my gosh, but also like, I'm so terrified. And and like you said, this feeling of not wanting to let people down um, who may not have a chance to snap tickets are stitch markers. Um, yeah, I, I think it can be very challenging um, as a business and a business owner and it's so I think equally exciting to hear your story um, with the stitch markers because and, and how you got started into it and you're like, oh this clay what was this gonna be used for? <laughs> and how it still has such a connection to the knitting life though um, because honestly I mean, if you go into sort of like a standard big box shop with stitch markers, I mean, you are not going to get anything this intricate and this beautiful. So I hope everybody goes and looks at Reshma's stitch markers, particularly into the wild so that you can see the intricateness that you use um, and just how they are beautiful. I mean, it's, I would have to say for me, one of the first stitch markers that I've seen Ever. and I'm a local yarn st- store buff and a big box store buff that I'm looking for stitch markers all the time, especially as a designer, um, I realized how important <laughs> and necessary they are to have. And like you, I used to at one point just was keeping place with rubber bands and things like that right? <laughs> and scrap yarn, but to really see how it, it's something that is so beautiful and that I can tie that into my experience and what I'm making. Um, I think it's just so awesome, and it it just seems like it was perfectly set up by the universe for you, even though you may not have remembered. Thank (laughs) you. I just, I love that. It's not a complete shift away from knitting. It really does look like jewelry for yarn. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's so absolutely beautiful, so I'm really not surprised in the least that four minutes they were gone, because they're that gorgeous, and it's just really not, much of anything that I've seen out there on the market that is just as beautiful. So
1: thank you. That, that really means a lot to me. And I've just, you know, I feel like we're all lately, like connecting more with what we're making with the tools we're using, And, you know, like the hand-carved crochet hooks and the, you know, knitting needles and like our project bags, our pouches, our notions, you know, like everything. And I feel it's like, it's all an experience, you know, and I feel like the stitch markers go hand in hand with all of that. And we can use all the ones you know like we can use the rubber bands and i think like paper clips and scrap yarn <laughs> yeah. and there's nothing wrong with that but nothing wrong like with that stitch <laughs> markers add that little bit of extra special detail while you're working on your project just like with everything else that we use you know the hand dyed yarn and just add you know like every little thing just adds a little bit more to that experience while we're working on our projects
0: I totally agree. And for me, um, it's interesting, stitch markers and the beauty of them, because looking at yours did kind of pique my eye a little bit more into sort of digging into local yarn stores here around Chicago and, and seeing what other stitch marker makers are out there. And, um, you know, just seeing some of, like you said, how it can be a part of the experience. Mm -hmm. And it really has encouraged me when I know I have my pretty little stitch marker on there. And like, it's kind of that push I need to get back to the knitting and to also share my whip and share my progress. on Instagram. Cause I know sometimes it's just like, if, if the rubber bands and all that stuff is there, you're like, Oh, it's nice, but I feel like I need to hide it. And maybe you can't hide it at that point. So then you're just like, okay, I'm not going to share. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if you have something that um, is beautiful jewelry, then I'm like, I've totally been wanting to sort of show off my pieces a little bit more. And I know you do such a great job of that um, on your Instagram, like you really get close up. So you can see those stitch markers um, with the pieces that you're making. And you are such a good supporter of other designers um, out in the industry. You've really put me on (laughs) to a lot of makers with the pieces that you've made lately. So um, can you sort of just talk about how you know, what and who has inspired you um, as you balance your jewelry and stitch marker business with being a knitwear designer and maker?
1: Oh boy, there, I mean, there's so many amazing pattern designers and makers out there and artists. I'm just, I'm just in awe of all the talent that is out there. And I just love supporting everyone I have you know I buy stitch markers from other makers and I just love supporting them and patterns and I don't think that part of me will ever go away and I just love it I think we have to like hype each other up a lot and just be on each other's team and support each other and it's like I feel like lately there's been a lot of like back and forth in the community as well there's been a lot of negativity and a lot of hate and that's been very upsetting and I feel like there's room for all of us there's just so many people in the world and I've talked about it a few times but like for me like if I were to think that I'm the only one that can ever make stitch markers like if into the wild was like any indication of that, I'm like, that no way, like I cannot handle like that would destroy me. And I don't want to be the only one creating stitch markers. Like I want people to experience what like everyone is allowed to create. I don't, I didn't come up with the concept of stitch markers. I don't own polymer clay. That's not, you know, my thing. And I think we all need to find inspiration outside of what art you're creating and I think that can be like the most difficult thing so when I'm creating I'm finding inspiration from nature and fashion and architecture and you know wildlife and flowers and plants and there's so much inspiration to be found in the world itself rather than finding, you know, being encouraged by other makers, I would say, and, you know, pat each other on the backs and, you know, like cheer each other on. But for me, I say like, you know, it's a very dangerous, like line to like toe to say, like, I find inspiration from this particular person. And I think that can get very iffy if Mm -hmm. that makes
0: sense. Yeah, totally. I feel like
1: that's where like copying comes into place or this person took something from me or vice versa, or, you know, it's like, well, they're working with the same material I am. Like, did they take that from me? And it's just a lot of stuff that we can really avoid.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Reshma. I think that's such a good point. I think that's such great advice, especially for um, people who, like you said, are Um, in our industry are aspiring to be in the industry and community. It's such great advice. And it's funny, I I was listening to um, a a non-yarn related podcast recently, and it's a big YouTuber and podcaster. And he was talking about Um, sort of similarly, like, I didn't make the idea of YouTube videos and Mm -hmm. (laughs) sharing my inspiration, but he said for a while, um, especially once he became very successful, like, got around a million subscribers, um, other people would be like, oh, this person made this style of video on this topic right after you, and maybe they're copying you, Um, or he would just even hoard the idea, like, are they copying me, and would, you know, basically, he spoke about being too much into, um, his own energy as a creative Mm -hmm. and as a maker and how that can actually be quite, uh, risky, even detrimental to your business. So it's, um, something like, um, you know maybe a better route is what this particular uh, youtuber did it just like hey i'm going to let that go that feeling of control let that go i don't i don't own this space and there's room enough for all of us and he really said it jump started his business because other people not only leaned in way more to the topic that he was talking about but also felt like they could create YouTube videos on that topic or on another topic as well. And so then they would share, well, you know, this is the person that inspired me. So he's like, it came full circle. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. back around. Yeah. To his business, both, um, you know, from a follower standpoint and a financial standpoint. And I know that I've experienced that too, of just like, you know, it's about community and, and it's, always okay I think to choose community over competition. Competition can be good and it can be exciting um, but it doesn't have to be like where your light or someone else light is dimming to each other. (laughs) Right exactly. Yeah and you want to be really careful of leaning too much into your own energy because it can and it has for many creatives um, backfired because you can sort of get tunnel vision on and not see Mm -hmm. when you're not being um supportive you know and not showing that love like people can sense that they can sense that in in person they can sense that um on the internet and so I think that you know that's that's real talk right there um you know because like you said there. We can definitely be quick to disagree with each other, to argue with each other on a plethora of topics. Um, And sometimes it is harder to lean into love and say, Yeah, girl, like, you know, what you're doing is amazing and beautiful. And um, especially, you know, if you have that inside of you of where you can share and support. Like, to me, I think you are such a fast knitter and crocheter. (laughs) And um, like I said, it's just been so inspiring to see the love that you share. I mean, you have shared. Um, tank tops all season long, cardigans, um, crochet patterns from large makers, from large yarn designers, um and also up and coming and so Mm -hmm. you sharing that love then OML is like like it's piqued me and my team's interest of like oh you know who is this maker and then we've been able to share their pattern designs even more or to reach out to those makers and so it's just a big a big snowball of of love and support and
1: oh that's amazing Yeah, yeah i just love finding new makers and i just love art and fiber and i don't like you can have the biggest following or you're just starting out. I just want to see what you're making. (laughs) Like, just show me me. what you're making. Like, that's what I'm here for.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. I love it. And it's all beauty at the end of the day. And so it almost sometimes feels a little cringe. You know, I feel like, like you said, it's a very, very fine line of, you know, copyrights and ownerships and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I even saw a maker recently be very transparent in one of her posts that, you know, what she had designed, she saw herself that it was very similar to another maker's design And I guess they were getting ready to release them around the same time. Um, Mm -hmm. And so she reached out to that maker and just said, hey, you know, just so you know, I'm not trying to step on your toes, but like the construction of this piece is like quite similar. And, um, you know, just was able to share that moment and that story transparently. And so it was no loss of love there. And so I think communicating, communicating in love, communicating in transparency and being genuine and authentic um, can really prevent that, that unhealthy uh, sense of competition and being too much in, into your own headspace and your own energy where it can be harmful to your, your maker life and your business, honestly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, if you guys really want to go see specifically some of the makers that Reshma is supporting, like definitely go check out her Instagram page because the photos are just like chef's kiss. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Do you take your own photos? (laughs) I do. I would say about 95%. Yeah, I do.
1: (laughs) Some of the ones where I'm in the shot most recently, I've had my friend take for me, but I'd say about 90, like 95% of all the photos that I are, I take myself.
0: Oh my goodness. That is so awesome. <laughs> they, they look like you definitely have a professional photographer behind that camera. Oh, thank so you. Beautiful. So beautiful. So inspiring. I really want to let people know that um, because I think for me, and I'm sure this may resonate with other, um, you know, knitters and makers and crocheters out there of like, I think that you are so diverse, even in the type of photos that you take. So don't be afraid to take photos inside. Don't be afraid to take them outside. You know, you've done them around tons of flowers in the park, um, you know, in your in your home. And it's just, it's really fun to watch and very inspiring that even through that, even through your photography, you're not putting yourself in a box. And it, it makes so much sense with your journey. <laughs> yeah. Um- I've always been
1: interested in photography. And I mean, if you scroll back through like my original IG posts, you know, from like five years ago, like it's, I've, I've come a long way and I feel like, you know, it's not like I'm not a photographer and you just, you just learn as you go. So like keep taking pictures, learn a lot. You know, I look up a lot of tips or I'll look at photography that my eyes, my eye catches and I'll like kind of study it, you know, composition, lighting, Mm -hmm. you know, and all of that. And I just kind of take that all in and I, you know, and then I kind of bring it into what I'm doing. It's like, okay, well, how, how is this going to appeal to the eye? You know, where's the light coming from? Let's try something different. So it's, it's always a learning um, any evolving
0: thing yeah absolutely and really like you know you said don't I think I uh, heard a YouTube video recently of just like a part of, I think it was Will Smith. So, you know, you can't go wrong with Will Smith. (laughs) Right. But I think he was saying a part of your success is failing. Um, Like that is a part of the journey. If you're not failing at some point in your business, then maybe you are not um, necessarily growing or evolving at the pace that you could be. Um, so me being able to overcome like, okay, if my picture is not perfect, (laughs) you know, in this false sense of what a perfect picture would look like. But if I feel, if I feel like I failed at it, that's okay. Like that's Mm -hmm. part of growth. Like failure is a part of growth and it's a part of evolving. So we can sort of get rid of this, uh, perfect bubble that I think so many of us walk around with and look at our phones with and look at other people's, you know, um, pages and profiles of, okay, okay, that's the standard of perfection. And that's what I need to aspire to. But because I'm going to talk myself out of feeling like I'm worthy of aspiring to that, then I'm just not going to share anything about me. But, you know, if you kind of can get over that and realize, well, there is no standard of perfection or perfectly, you know, perfectly knit photo <laughs> or perfectly placed stitch marker in a photo or in any type of setting and just be like, hey, I'm going to have fun with this. And I'm just going to try new things. It can really take you places. Like once I got out of my own head with that, it has taken me so many places because Reshma, I used to be in a place of like, where if it's not a flat lay, I'm not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and I used to be that way too. Like, all of my photos
1: were just flat lace. And I'm like, <laughs> no, 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 no. Let, let's try something new. But it's all a learning experience, right? Like, you guys, we all have to start somewhere. Yeah. You know, like the best photographers out there, you know, like what you see from them now, it, you know, if we dig through their our archives or whatever, like, it's probably not what they're putting out there right now. Like, we all have to start somewhere. And the only way, you know, that I know how to like do that is just keep doing it and keep practicing. And same thing goes with, you know, whatever it is that your craft is like, you know, pattern designing, or if you're learning how to knit or crochet, you know, your first few times that you make something, it's not going to be perfect, but you just keep going. And the more you do it, the better you'll get at it. And same thing goes with social media and picture taking as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure you will probably look at your photos from the OML book since it took us about two years (laughs) to work on it. And I'm sure you could probably say, oh, I could have done this or that different, but they still are so beautiful. So I'm sure even your flat lays from years ago um, are just as gorgeous because definitely what um, you shared in the OML book is so gorgeous. So we encourage everybody to go get the book so you can see (laughs) um, (laughs) Reshma's contribution there. And yeah, I, I think you've just um, said so many cool things that are um, very important, I think, for us as makers and designers um, and entrepreneurs to remember. And in our business, especially as social media platforms, they continue to change. It's almost like, that standard there of needing to change or be open to changing is there because the platforms that we want to share our art and our content on is changing so Mm -hmm. how has that been for you in the last year with things going to certainly like more video based and how have you been able to evolve but also stay true to to who Reshma is I feel like I've tried
1: reels and I have posted two, I think, and they are not my thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and I feel like I'm open to learning it. I don't completely hate them either. They're fun to watch. And I, there's a lot of people out there and I love the reels that they put out there. But for me, the biggest thing is time. I'm just juggling so many things, in my life with the business being a parent of two and just so many other things that I, and making videos takes a lot more time than snapping some photos. And I just, I just don't have the time for it. And I feel like a lot of people may not have the time for it. And I think that's the biggest concern and disappointment I have in all of that Mm -hmm. is, That we see a lot of these bigger accounts doing these amazing reels and, you know, they're taking all these videos and stunts and editing tricks and all of that. And like the amount of time and effort that goes into doing all of that, if that's, you know, if they're an influencer or whatever, and that's what they're doing, or they have a team to help them out, that's great. But a lot of us that are small business owners, you know, we're just trying to survive and just... Keep our name out there. And I think we're struggling as it is with all of that. And now to add another additional pressure of creating something else is very difficult. And I think if we all just continue to support each other in whatever content we're putting out there, I think that's the biggest thing we can do.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I totally agree. Um, I mean, I went to school for broadcast journalism, it's what my my bachelor's is in. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's, it's sort of weird, but, you know, years ago when, when I was at USC, um, our professors were sort of predicting that this is where, um, not only journalism would be, but this is where social media would be sort of what they called, um, what was the word, uh, sort of like this collective media is, is, sort okay. of, and, and that's sort of how you had to major in it. It's like, okay, yeah, if you want to do TV news, that's fine, but you're also going to, Um, learn print you're also going to learn radio Um, you're going to learn still photography like little bits of all of that because um, they're like that's where the industry and social media is going to be in 10 years and they're like no Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) and uh, it it has definitely sort of manifested into that so I think for that um, it's been a little bit easier for me to lean into um, understanding that um, you know broadcast and social media and all and multimedia definitely can be just that uh, multifaceted Um, but I I do think that it is going to be an uphill battle um, for many makers and it has been for me even in sharing reels because like you said it is so much more time consuming. Like I've been able to use some, um, you know, apps and stuff out there that sort of help with the process or try to plan it a little bit more. You know, there's always things that you can do to try to make that process seamless. (laughs) Right. Um, But uh, for me, it's been like, yeah, I know that um, if I take a photo, it will be a less time consuming process. But also for me too, Reshma, it's been like, I want to share this as a photo. Like, I don't want to share it (laughs) as a video. And so it's been both challenging in a good and probably not so good way. um, You know, to, I've just gotten to a place of being okay with that, at least in this moment. It's like, if I want to share this as a photo, then that's exactly what I'm going to do because. Exactly. um, I feel like it speaks more to that right now. And I think we all could be okay with doing that. Like if you don't feel that it works, whatever it is that you're making or wanting to show, um, if it doesn't work as a video, then don't do it as a video. Don't put that much pressure on yourself. (laughs) Right.
1: I feel like like certain things are meant for, you know, photos. And then there are some things that are meant for video. And I feel like to, to say like, you have to, do more of one over the other like I don't really agree with that either like I feel like it should just be whatever you want to do you know if you absolutely yeah if you think your content you know needs to be video and that's how it's portrayed well then go for the video or if you want to keep doing photos then do the photos
0: yeah I agree I like, think- honest, like
1: yeah I don't know how I would showcase my stitch markers in a real format <laughs> <laughs> they're oh, so small I, and intricate you know
0: yeah well I mean, I totally know you could you totally could um because but I definitely had that same question of like how am I going to show this yarn because I do like to show what I'm working on but I also sometimes just really love to show the yarn itself and I'm like and mm-hmm. so- aside from putting it right in front of the camera <laughs> Right, exactly. Like, what are you guys gonna see? But um, like I said, I, I have found it to be both an exciting and uh a bit of a stressful challenge with Reels and um, seeing how social media is definitely becoming a convergence platform um where you sort of you know can be in a space where you're okay with both. But I think if um any of us out there are needing encouragement and remind reminding of you know, a photo speaks a thousand words and, um, it's okay to stop the scroll and just to look at a beautiful photo. Reshma, I think your feed is the feed to be on every morning when I open my phone and I do scroll to your, your profile and actually, you know, the algorithm is working for you girl, because it definitely pushes you, um, to my, to my page. And, um, it just gives me that reminder and that little that little burst of excitement that, oh, yeah, I want to post a photo of something that I'm working on too. Um, and I think that as things continue to evolve and grow and platforms change and new platforms come out, um, you know, that it's important to remember that, that, you know, part of what I've learned as far as convergence multimedia is that things are going to you know, come more together and evolve, but the classics will always remain the classics. So I exactly. also learned the classics like convergence, um, you know, multimedia is definitely like, yeah, they're all going to work together in some sort of way, but that's why you need to know all of them. So you need to know audio, you need to know um, photography, you need to know how to write and print. So you can do these really um, cool captions that you do so well that connect with your audience and transparency, like, writing and all of that stuff, very basic stuff that has stood the test of time. That's not going anywhere. Right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You also can learn and be comfortable with doing that well, because I personally don't think that the industry is ever going to be where everything is just all video, like no matter what industry, I mean, journalism said the same thing 10 years ago and Obviously, we've seen the test of print has been very helpful for our world in more ways than one. So, um, you know, I think we've all slowly as the weeks and months go by can have been able to take a deep breath and lean back into what makes our souls feel good and feel comfortable. And you're such a light in that.
1: Oh, thank you. I think we always kind of freak out, at, you know, when like something new is on the horizon or it's like, you know, the unknown and it's like, well, what is it going to do now? And it's like, yeah. how is it going to change? And, you know, before we, you know, freak out too much, it's like, well, no, 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 let's just take a step back. Let's see how this pans out. It might not be as bad as, you know, I'm making it out. It, be. Yeah. <laughs> It'll yeah. all be
0: fine. Yeah, it'll be fine. This is fine. <laughs> and I think like you, like we've talked about it again, it's just it's a good challenge. I think if whether you like reels or you dislike them, it's something that you can view as a challenge to be like, okay, well, if I don't. Want to choose to do reels at this point in time for my business, and I want to just do photos. Then how can I make those be the best on photos ever? What new way can I learn? How can I get out of my box? Um, How can I stop and smell the lavender? (laughs) (laughs) You know, and um, and so I know that it's been that for me. You know, Um, how I can challenge myself to do what I do better, Um, and I think that that can help ease the pressure too. So it's yeah, all good. Definitely. At the the day. <laughs> yes. So what's, what's next for Hello Lavender? What things do you have coming up for this fall? I feel like everybody is so super excited for autumn. I've been seeing so many people like autumn is coming. Is it here yet? <laughs> and, you know, and you,
1: funny thing is usually I'd be one of those people too. And I've been having so much fun knitting and crocheting all the summer tops. And I'm like, can it last a little (laughs) bit longer? And normally I'm like, bring on the sweaters, bring on the cardigans. I want my cozies. Yeah. And, you know,
0: that is so true. You, you put me (laughs) on to uh, Joanne. I think it was you, both you and um, uh, Janine. I saw Joanne Ho, who did the knit girl summer top, on both of y'all's pages because yeah. I think I saw it on Janine's first. She did a, the dress. She and did the I dress. Yeah, you do it, and you did a couple posts, and I was like, hmm, I need to look into this. I've never made. i Well, I can say that I've never completed a tank top yet, never. And I've been knitting for well over a decade. And once I saw it on Janine's page and your page, I was like. I'm doing this. Um, you have to. Yeah. I'm doing one well with VR Knitters Knitters um, as well. It was a little, it's the stitch pattern is a little bit intricate and I messed up and then I had to frog it and put in the lifeline. And I just, I kind of threw it in the corner right now. It's on timeout. It's on timeout. Um, out, yeah. <laughs> and uh, because it's made in, I kept to stitch it together. And I was like, well, I just want to experiment with doing something with a little bit of a different technique. So knit girl, uh, knit girl summer top is bottom up. And yes. I mean, Reshma, it, it, it totally has me kind of in that mood to like bring on fall, but also summer stay forever. Right.
1: Well, and I'm trying to figure out how, so I'm, I'm not even slowing down on the summer tops. I'm like (laughs) full force still ahead, but I'm also making a ton of cardigans. So I'm thinking, okay, how do I transition these summer tops to fall yeah. and cardigans is my go-to. So I'm knitting cardigans alongside <laughs> with all the summer pieces still.
0: Same. And, you know, you're here um, with me in Illinois. So, you know, yeah. like, this transitional season that we're getting ready to go to, we'll still be able to wear our tops. I think our tank tops with like a nice cute jean jacket is sort of where mm-hmm. I mean. Um, so, cause at first I sort of thought, similar to you of like, oh, I can't make the knit girl summer top right now. Um, I started like two weeks ago because I'm like, summer is basically over. But then I'm like, it's okay, it's fine. I'm just, I'll wear like a jean jacket or like a nice cardigan or something over it. Um, if it's a chilly or Exactly.
1: <laughs> well, and you know, our Chicago weather is so bizarre. Like, I remember a few years ago, like in the middle of November and December, it was probably like 60 degrees out, you know? Oh, like, yeah. I, I know, like, some people like pack away their seasonal stuff and then bring out the winters and stuff. I'm, like, I feel like I can't do that. I'll, all of my stuff is always out because yeah. the weather is just so bizarre here in Chicago. Yeah. Like, you just never know what to expect.
0: Yeah, definitely two years ago on my birthday, which is in September, it was an 80 degree day in here in Chicago. And I remember because I had my friend wanting to, I wanted them to take a picture of me to share on Instagram. They're like, it is so hot outside. <laughs> I remember we're birthday twins. I remember that. Yeah. And I was like, it's my birthday. I you yeah. have to take these birthday photos. And they're like, can we please just go inside in the AC though? Because it's so hot. Like my hair froze up in like five seconds. So yeah. <laughs> like you said, the, the weather is, is so fickle. Um, but yeah, it's cool to hear that you've got some cool new cardigans um, that you're working on. Do you have anything in the stitch marker area that you have coming up for the fall? So I will be having a
1: very large in-stock release happening in September at this point. I was hoping to do it at the end of August, but that I'm still finishing up into the wild orders. So I think we're looking at September for an in-stock release and what that is, is basically whenever I'm making collections, I always make extras just in case something breaks while I'm piecing it together, which like rarely ever happens. Or if I like miscount, you know, how many orders came in and there was an extra one that I like didn't make the count that I was doing. And so there's there will be a lot of extras from Mean Pearls and the Winter Wilderness collection that I did with Woolberry earlier this year. And some New pieces as well. Um, So I haven't said anything about this yet and I haven't really showed it off, but I have this no waste collection I've been working on, Mm -hmm. which is basically I have a lot of colors left over from previous collections and I don't throw away anything. I always hold on to the um, clay that I have and basically they'll become something brand new and amazing. And I'm calling it the No Waste Collection.
0: Oh my gosh, that sounds so exciting. I cannot wait um, for that release and to see it. Reshma, thank you so much for taking some time to chat with me. You are such an encouragement. Um, Where can everybody find you on social media? Where are you at? So I'm
1: on Instagram. My handle is at Hello Lavender Design. And that's pretty much where you can find me. Um, I basically post very like every day. Um, you can find me on my website, which is hellolavender.com, and um there's a page on there with you know, pre-order information when the next collection will be, shipping info, you can see past collections that I've done on there. and
0: Yeah, so those are basically the two places you can find me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for again chatting with me. Um, You're such an encouragement as always. And congratulations to you and all of the success and the brand that you've built um, for Hello Lavender and Knitting Crochet, Stitch Markers, your progress keepers and earrings in the last five years. It's amazing. And you deserve everything plus more.
1: Thank you so much, Jewel. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you.
0: So over the next few months, I'll be talking to wonderful makers like Reshma, who we had the pleasure to specifically feature her story and design in our latest book release, The Art Maker Life Book, which is a hardback, super beautiful volume of patterns and stories that we collaborated with nearly 30 fellow makers on and released with Abrams Publishing this year. I'm so excited about it. (laughs) You can grab your copy of the new OML book through every major book retailer online and on shelves right now. You can find those bookstore links at rmakerlife.org book. I really hope you enjoy listening to the OML podcast. My team and I love producing these. And if you want to support and sponsor our podcast, we want to make it really simple for you guys this second season. Buy us a cup of coffee. Just five bucks at koficom ficom slash oml it's a virtual tip jar for our podcast and it will continue to support our movement so you guys can have some cool content to listen to while you knit and crochet and dye yarn and do all the yarny things i will be posting some exclusive podcast content over there on our Kofi page as well just for our supporters again i hope you guys enjoyed this episode love you so much thank you for listening and see you on the next one